Well, 2020 was a crappy year and 2021 didn't get much better, but the weather is starting to get nice and here in Minnesota, we know how much that means. On this episode of Counter Stories, we talk about what we're looking forward to this summer and find out what summer songs are on our playlists. Welcome to Counter Stories, the podcast by people of color, for people of color, and everyone else. I'm Halili, owner of the Other Media Group and producer of this show. I'm Luz Maria Frias, Deputy Attorney General with the state of Minnesota. Any comment or opinion that I share today and every day is my own and should not be attributed to my office. Anthony Galloway, Senior Partner at Dendros Group and Executive Director of the Arts Us Center for the African Diaspora. Don Eubanks. And uh, that's right, I'm recently retired. So uh, I'm no longer an associate professor at Metropolitan State University, but I guess I can say I'm an associate of Dendros Group and cultural consultant. Yay! Congratulations, Don. Thank you, guys. It's just so nice out. I think I'm just like, I'm such a nicer and happier person when it's nice out. And I think that's, it's, I've always been that way. And so, you know, as we think about kind of, I mean, this is a crappy time of life, COVID and quarantining, vaccines and racial uprising, police brutality, just everything, right? So let's just have a conversation about what we're looking forward to during the summer. What are some of your favorite memories? How are ways that your family celebrates the three beautiful months that we we get? I'm excited about just being out every day. Long walks outside, whether with my um, spouse or with a neighbor or friends and just having what I call walking catch-ups with friends uh, where we just find a place, uh, whether it's a local park or a local area to walk around and spend time with each other, um, bird watching along the way. And, you know, there isn't any real magic to bird watching other than listening and and looking for birds meaning you don't have to be this ornithologist with any particular skill set uh, to be able to to enjoy it I also think about um, being able to do some outdoor activities at some of the local parks uh, I know a local park in my area has outdoor tai chi and so I've Signed up for that, so I'm really looking forward to that as well. Um, spending more time on my deck, feeding my birds, you know, the outdoors. I call them my birds, but of course they're everybody's birds. But uh, refilling the bird bath and just seeing the birds come up to the bird feeders uh, and just enjoying nature for what it is and the gift that it is to us that we don't get to enjoy as much. Well, I know, Don, you've been hitting up Anthony and my husband about some fishing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, you know, um, people have been asking me, you know, what are your plans in retirement? And so my answer has been kind of cut and dry, playing golf and fishing. Uh, For the past 20 years or so, I've been dealing with two bad knees. And, And these knees have gotten to the point where where, you know, I was listening to Lou's talk and how she loves to take walks. And I would love to be able to take a walk. And my knees won't allow me to do that. 
but I still can get outside and golf is the one thing that I can still do because I can walk from the golf cart to the golf ball and, you know, I can manage those kind of short things so I can still play golf. And I hadn't fished for about the past two, three years because of my knees, but I decided that I was going to attempt to do that. So I, I spent, you know, who knew that storing your boat in your garage for two, three years, and then all these things would go wrong with it. And so I spent $1,000 to get the motor running again, and I looked forward to being able to go out and catch some of these spring spring crappies before the season's over. You know, these, these bright, sunny days really, really help in changing my mood. And I think, you know, as we've talked earlier, the the past year has been really tough. I mean, um, you know, I lost my mother early in this pandemic to COVID-19. Um, we've had these series of shootings and killings and, you know, all that, all that trauma just kind of, and then, and the fact that I guess for the past year, I knew I was going to retire, but having to deal with, you know, with, with the pandemic on top of everything else, I'm thinking, my God, I'm I'm finally able to retire if I can survive this virus. And so that kind of added some additional trauma on top of everything else. So I'm looking forward to just the, the you know, it's plus we've had this kind of cloudy, overcast, rainy April, and today the sun is shining, it's brightened my mood. Um, ever since I turned in my work computer on Tuesday. I, uh, this load seems to have just lifted off me. I feel a little bit lighter. Um, I'm looking forward to just playing golf and, and kind of being outside. I do the same thing as Luz, although I can't walk. I've always paid attention to the wildlife that exists in the cities here. And, and where I live, we have all kind of wildlife and it surprises me every day, the number of different birds, um, or the different calls. Uh, I was playing golf last week, and there was a bird chirping that nobody knew what kind of bird it was. None of us had ever heard this call before. And um, so I'm looking forward to those, just being outside, enjoying the weather, and kicking back and not really have to do anything. <laughs> I mean, that is such... It That's is such retirement a privilege coming oh, through. Oh <laughs> man, it is such a great feeling that I don't have to go anywhere Monday through Friday. It it's it's absolutely wonderful. I, I'm not used to it yet, but I'm We're really the, starting the to like it. We're in the midst of what's called the the spring migration, where birds have traveled thousands of miles. That they're they're coming through. And there are just a whole host of birds that we typically don't see on a regular basis. And there are not necessarily birds that are identified with Minnesota per se, but because of this unique migration pattern, we see them. And they're really hungry right now because they've traveled thousands of miles. And so, you know, you're seeing them be far more active at the bird feeders, you know, far more active outside. You know, the DNR put out this no 
no mow May, which their message was don't mow your lawns in May because um, there is just a number of pollinators, uh, which of course also include birds, hummingbirds that are feeding. And so it's, let's not destroy oh, the property. I didn't hear that. Habitat. I'm sorry. My husband, will be, my husband will be happy to hear that. He doesn't have to move <laughs> well, I tried to convince my husband and he still went out and, and mowed the lawn uh, this Sunday. <laughs> Just because all our neighbors had been doing it for the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah. and hey, not, not all of us got lawns like that. I'm just I'm, I'm hearing a whole bunch of folks that y- y'all, y'all getting to do stuff that not all of us have the same access to. Just saying. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> I just find that fascinating in contrast to not being able to go out anywhere over the th- throughout this pandemic. Right. And, and how that nuance shifts. I have to I have to say I'm noticing a pattern through all the things that you're saying and that the things that you are articulating about being able to do outside in particular have to do with noticing. Um, and it's the kind of mindfulness that, Luce, you have reminded us of and you keep bringing up whenever we talk um, around the self-care, about the mindfulness that comes with meditation. I mean, all the things that you're describing sounds like versions of meditations. Meditation really, so that our listeners understand, there's there's no real secret formula to it. It's all about being in the moment. So the fact that you're walking, you're in the moment, right? The fact that you're sitting, listening to birds singing, you're in the moment. So it's about being able to be in the moment such that your mind isn't racing forward with a bunch of things that you are thinking about, a to-do list or things that you've got to get done, you know, in the next 10 minutes, it really is about shutting all that off and also not thinking about what you would have, could have, should have done, right? That we often find ourselves doing as well. So when, when you reference the meditative state, I want to make sure that our listeners understand that it's, it's much easier than most people think about. It really is about being in the moment. You've been listening to Counter Stories. I'm Halee Lee with crew members Luz Maria Frias, Anthony Galloway, and Don Eubanks. Support for this show is provided by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. This summer in particular, this spring, the, the ability to go outside and gather socially distantly um, has a new level of appreciation. It's, you know, we had talked earlier about what the pandemic, uh, you know, closing off and, and separating has done for us, our, our inability to do the cultural things that we would normally do in matters of crisis, and that is to gather and being able to be outside and being able to, you know, as it warms up, um, it is something that we now have access to that we haven't had access to. I have, uh, I, I am anticipating a certain amount of grief coming as we gather this summer. And, and, I, and I mention that because oftentimes we look at grief as this thing that is nothing but weight. But in my cultural space, grief and joy, they, they, they don't hold hierarchical spaces. They're all important and necessary things to do. And so um, uh, I experienced in this past Mother's Day being able to gather mostly vaccinated, at least for as far as the adults are concerned, kid, my the kids in my family are now about to get at, to be able to get vaccinated as well, and and have that release, that feeling of of protection that many of us have felt that who've been able to get fortunate enough to get vaccinated, um, and we gathered in Mother's Day and 
And there was a mixture of emotion. There was happiness that I could, you know, I could kiss grandma on the mouth if I wanted to. Um, didn't. We still practice in some safe social distance because there's other communicable things that we could pass. But the idea that we had access to each other in a new way, it was powerful. But at the same time, we were, you know, we're grieving the time lost. Um, my grandmother uh, is not the same. She's got a new set of, of um, she's got a new reality of health <laughs> than she did prior to social distancing. And we, we have to account for that. We have to take that into account. So there is a mixture of, of feeling and emotion in addition to just not knowing how to behave <laughs> when we, in, in, in a more gathered space. Uh, um, but I think also what I'm looking forward to this summer is being able to, to appreciate um, the reasons that we gather in a different way. Juneteenth is coming up. In um, on June 19th, Juneteenth is the um, uh, is the recognition of real emancipation. Even though the Emancipation Proclamation was passed in 1863, um, it wasn't until General Gordon Granger, Granger was forced to go to Galveston, Texas, and read proclamations all across the South. Um, because people fled over to the Southwest in order to keep their slaves and to stay further away from being forced to give them up, and so under penalty of death. But that you know, and we've we've done a counter stories episode around Juneteenth where we talk about what the proclamation actually said. Um, but this is going to be a special Juneteenth, given all the unrest, given all the things that we're coming to reckon with. Um, this Juneteenth is going to be much more marked than it has been in the past. I think I feel like it's going to feel more like the festivals um, that used to be, even if it's not the big festival space, I think the intentionality with which it's celebrated is going to be different. And so, um, I think that, uh, this summer, some of those gatherings are going to take new meaning. I am also finding just my last point. I'm also seeing that folks are being much more particular about the cultural foods and traditional practices that we have taken for granted, just to be honest for a while. Folks are talking about those in new ways in preparation for the summer. So I think, I think those are some of the things that I'm looking forward to this summer. You know, the last point, Anthony, that you made really um, hit hard for me, which was Mother's Day, which just uh, happened. It was the first time that I was really able to hug my daughter mm. since the start of the pandemic, you know, now more than 15 months ago. And it was brief. Uh, of course, we're, we were, we're vaccinated, but still being extremely cautious. But gosh, it felt good, you know, and it just felt so uh, overdue, you know. And I think about how so many of our families are struggling with that, not only because of just pre-existing comorbidities and health condition, health conditions, but quite honestly, distance. I mean, think about families who are hundreds of miles away from each other and unable to travel. Or unfortunately, like Don, how you said, you know, having lost your mother as a result of COVID and never being able to hug her before she passed or oh. since then, you know, those are some those are some really, really difficult memories. And, and for my grandma, it will, it's not so much people who are far away that can't travel, but people who are nearby who can't come over. Mm. And so she was just saying to me, like, oh, you know, I haven't seen your cousins in such a long time. And I was like, well, they still go to work and they're not vaccinated yet, you know. And she's like, 
I think that they must be mad at me and, I'm, and every day I have to re-explain to her what COVID is. And so her thinking that these folks are family members are not coming because they must be upset with her for any other reason. It, it makes me so sad. I'm, I'm always trying to explain to her and she's just like, I don't know. I don't know. And, you know, we've been very fortunate in our house. So we were we were vaccine hunters, man. I mean, mm-hmm. when the vaccine became available, we were, I was like refreshing Walgreens pages. We were, we were on it from the very start to try to get a, as many of us vaccinated as possible. And so I'm very happy to say that all the adults in my immediate family are um, at least partially vaccinated, um, making it so much more comfortable when we do see each other. And which is important in our household because my, my mother is the caretaker of my, nieces and nephews during the day she's their daycare provider you know she's the one that watches the children while the parents are at work and so you know we're still seeing each other that didn't stop the her being needed as a child care provider didn't stop because of the pandemic and so we were vaccine hunters and so we're we were very happy to see each other on mother's day and really be able to celebrate with each other and set up a new playground for the kids i think everybody was like you know, F it, let's just put all the money in to make our yard as the thing of the summer. Putting up fencing, we were getting landscaping at my mom's house because that was that's going to be the, the gathering place this summer for us. I, you know, one of the things I had to do was turn in my work computer and, and now I kind of inherited the one I bought for my daughter. The other thing I'm looking forward to is she's coming home. You know, she's coming home from her finishing her freshman year at the University of Iowa and she left here um, August of last year, and that you know, and I I think I talked about it during one of our counter stories, and that was a a very hard time because we the University of Iowa hadn't really put a lot of things in place. You know, she's part of that two uh, 2020 graduation from high school that when COVID hit, so you know, for her. You know, she lost her her prom. She lost her graduation ceremony from high school. She lost her graduation party. Um, And then now she just spent a a whole year on campus, you know, pretty much online in a dorm room. I mean, so she at least got to experience a dorm, but football didn't play, you know, hardly any of the sports allowed students to uh, attend the games. So even her first year at, at the university was not a typical, would be your typical first year. So, you know, she got her second um, shot this past Sunday. So she's going to be good to go. You know, she came home for Thanksgiving and then stayed until January. But she actually stayed with her older brother, because uh, she hadn't been vaccinated and we, you know, we were too afraid to allow her to move back to the house. So we're looking forward to having her come home. There's a theme there. I think I think this gather, right? We, we I think in all of our communities that that gathering is an essential healing mechanism that is going to be a central component. You said something specifically uh, on that gathering point that I'm start, I'm hearing. And even Don, as you talk about Gabby coming home, the, um, you know, one of the things that we did as a family is, you know, we, we don't all have the resources to all get our own stuff. Right. 
but we can identify one person in our family who has a nice yard. And it's funny, Lee, that you mentioned that we are getting together and everybody's coming together to share the investment into one central space. And I, I'm finding that on both my wife's fam- side of the family and on my side of the family, that we are, are, are pooling our money together to, to take one space and make that space something that we all can access as a central gathering space. I hadn't thought about that before, but but when you said that, it made me think about my friends. It made me think about some of the other folks who are gathering. And and there's a there's a central there's a there's a there's a central thing in you know. And I'm I'm noticing the difference between my white friends um, who live in suburban spaces and my friends who you know my more multiracial group of friends who live in the inner city space. We're selecting one spot <laughs> to pick, whereas you know my other you know. Know, other other circles are all building out their own, but but again, the central mechanism of gathering, I think, is not only important but it's timely, because especially when as legislation is going to be coming out, we've got all these battles that we have to continue mm-hmm. to fight. We now have a tool in our arsenal, and that is our ability to gather again that wasn't on the table before. And I was going to say something, an extension of that, Anthony, which is we have been in isolation for upwards of fifteen months. And we need to get re-energized. And the way we re-energize is to be in community and to be with family with each other. And being able to gather physically, you know, we're social animals. That's what distinguishes us as, as humans, right? Where, where this is something that we have craved for 15 months. I mean, I'm hearing from friends and coworkers who are introverts who are still like there, they are craving gathering and socialization, even as much or more so than folks who identify as extroverts. But it's it's looking at the fact that we've been in isolation for so long and needing to optimize the gathering opportunities, whether it's with friends or families, even coworkers, um, and being able then to just do simple things, whether it's breaking bread with each other or just going for long walks or sitting and listening to music or sitting and, and watching birds, going on hikes together. Whatever it is, is being able to be with someone else um, so that we can get out of this isolation mode. And imagine, I mean, I, I am blessed that I live with my spouse, but I've got plenty of friends who live by themselves. And it's been even more difficult for them as the only person in their household through this isolation. Oh, yeah. I've told Jim, if I didn't have Jim, I would just be like 500 pounds on the couch because I can because <laughs> I can do a lot of my work from home. And I would, you know, there are days I didn't leave the house. I wouldn't leave house for days at a time. You know, one thing I'm looking forward to is a cultural practice. Now, I'm, I'm, you know, I'll be, I'll be reverend in September, God willing, if everything, you know, goes well and I uphold my end of the bargain. Yes. Um, you know, and so one of the things that I am in charge of as a, as a baby preacher, one of the things that I have, if, if been um, appointed to in our home church is the music department. And I have been going and back and forth and counseling with our vocalists who have not been able to sing together because of, of course, a trained vocalist will push the particulates out, you know, further than regular talking, for, further even than yelling in some cases. And so one of the things that we did is we've been tracking with each other, just keeping posted, like, where are you at with the vaccine process? Well, come next weekend, 
we will all be vaccinated. All the musicians and all the vocalists, and at least in a small ensemble. This is the ensemble who, with uh, folks who've got really deep musical training. And I can't wait to be in the vibration. I have noticed that not just drumming, but um, the musical vibration that happens in there, that healing space has not been accessible for us for, this, for these 15 months. And when I made mention that we, we, you know, we're not back in full church mode, yes, but that is one thing that I'm looking forward to getting back together to do, socially distantly, outdoors, of course, with all the restrictions in place. But I can't wait for that. Anthony, that sounds absolutely magical. I... Um... I don't, I, I just, I, I'm looking at you thinking, gosh, I want to be there when that happens <laughs> <laughs> because I can't imagine the amount of emotions and strength and energy that's going to come through with, with that first session. Right. I mean, you know, I, one of the things I've been kind of mulling over um, as retirement was quickly approaching is, a um, couple weeks ago, I shared with Mara a lot of the things that I used to do when I was younger that I kind of gave up. And I was mentioning to her that I was looking forward to, to going back to doing some of those things. And one of them was playing music. Mm. Um, you know, I, I played music, a lot of music in junior high school and high school. And I had a teacher that kind of took me under her wing and started me on guitar and then cello and then piano. And I used to play the guitar with our choir in uh, Lincoln Junior High School, North Minneapolis. In uh, junior high school, they used to have a choir festival in downtown Minneapolis at the old auditorium. In our eighth grade year, our, our music teacher had us do a version of Wendy by the association. We played there, there myself and a couple other guys played guitar. And then we had three guys play stand-up bass. We had a drummer, and it was a big hit. And in our ninth grade year, um, we came back to that same festival. We were doing other classics like Follow the Drinking Gourd and some some other some other kind of classical core stuff. Nine other junior high schools <laughs> did Wendy. A friend of mine sent me a, a, a text, and and she said, you know, her mother unfortunately had passed away earlier in the year and so she was going through her mother's stuff and she came across a Lincoln Junior High School newsletter and what she sent me were three photographs from this page and the page was on the Lincoln Junior High School choir going on a trip to uh, Hutchinson, Minnesota and one of the photos is me sitting on a chair with my guitar and the caption reads, Donald Eubanks playing guitar for the choir. Hmm. And <laughs> then it had another picture of Mrs. Norlene and all, you know. So it was so eerie because I had just shared that story with Mara. And then, boom, a picture shows up out of nowhere. And um, so it just kind of re-energized me because that playing music was one way that kept me in the now. You know, fishing does that. When I'm out on the lake fishing and I'm in nature, I mean, even if I'm even if I'm not catching fish, it doesn't matter because I'm on a lake. Oh yeah. 
it's silent. It's beautiful. They're usually eat. Yeah, it's I mean, You're, it's meditative. I have to share. I have to share this story because you know, again, it's the it's bottled up with my grief. But Don, I consider you an elder. Like you have given me bits of wisdom in moments throughout our engagements that have made have made a huge difference. But I will never forget. You took me to Lake Peltier. And um, I'm sitting in there in the boat with Don. We ain't catching nothing. I mean, we're getting skunked. We can't even catch a panfish at the moment. But we're having this exchange. We're having a great dialogue. We're out here in nature. It's, it was like sitting with the elders. It's something that I didn't realize until the mo- this moment, as you talked about that, Don, that is something that I haven't gotten a chance to really do, to sit up under the elders in my in my community and my family and, and get that just pat, that that wisdom that just hits you and smacks you out of nowhere. And I'll never forget that as we're out there doing that, this 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 older guy, even older guy, swims by us, gives us uh he gave you, I think he gave you a fly and gave something. He said, give a little action. And he like dropped this lake wisdom on us. And sure enough, the moment we started giving a little action, we started, we, I think we caught, I caught Sonny's as big as my hand. Remember I fried him up and took him to your house? Like those kind of, 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 of experiences that I, I can't wait till they be, they, they come. They're organic in nature, but it's, it's the kind of stuff that we do when we are able to gather. And you just, you just reminded me of that moment, you know, and I can't wait to have more moments like that because we can be in space. Yeah, let's not forget that Minnesota has some great outdoor spaces. We've got great parks, we've got great lakes, we've got great places to hang out. Um, even if, you know, a certain party is trying to shut that all down over some clean car rule. But let's take advantage of it while we can. We we love camping. That was always my favorite summer memory growing up was my dad mm-hmm. taking us camping and sharing ways that he would do things in the old country. He would mm-hmm. do we would just climb that tree and go get that, you know? And then of course we try to climb the tree and then of course we get in trouble, you know? And so these memories of, of my parents telling us stories while we're out camping, while we're immersed in nature, while that's very familiar for them, uh, always brings back good memories. And so we do a family camping trip every year now because we want our, you know, my siblings want their kids to have that same experience. And, I just know we'd spend half the time cooking because mom would bring the whole kitchen. We always had to bring the rice cooker. (laughs) But when when you guys think about like things that you feel are really speak to your culture during the summer months, what are some of those? You know, Haley, I grew up inner city Chicago in the barrio. And so we didn't have, uh, memories of going fishing or going to parks. I mean, we didn't go to parks. Uh, we, we didn't go for, for hikes. We didn't enjoy nature. I think we went to Lake Michigan. I can count, gosh, probably twice as a kid. What about Navy Um, Pier? What's that? What about Navy Pier? Did you ever get a chance to do that? Uh, Not as a family. No. I mean, all that uh, happened when I was an adult. Mm. Uh, and it was more, I, I reflect on it. I think, I think it was a combination of things. It was certainly, we lived in poverty. Um, I think there was also just a cultural disconnect and the fear of the unknown and just having a very close, safe circle of 
of friends, but also places that were familiar to us. And that was it. And so it was, it was our, you know, my family, my parents attempt to keep us safe. The, our family really had a fear. My parents in particular, my dad had a fear of U.S. culture and all that came with it, you know, the promiscuity. And so even though we were poor, you know, low income, um, they, they scraped as best as they could to send us to a Catholic school, not because of the Catholicism, but because they understood that there would be less risk for promiscuity there. So it was more <laughs> that and, and then ultimately speaking, to be safe from the gangs that um, were prolific back then and certainly continue to be today. So all of those childhood memories um, that you folks are talking about, I, I have none uh, with respect to that. Uh, occasionally, we went to a pool that was in a neighboring suburb, and it was an all-white suburb, Berwyn. And we were, we were cautious because of just racism, um, but also the cost involved with five kids having to pay admission fees for all five. And so we didn't do it often. I think we did it once a summer, maybe twice a summer. Yeah, I think that I mean, I think that's why I might like we did do road trips or we would go to like nearby state parks was it was the cheapest thing to do. when <laughs> you know, it's hey, it's free. Let's go for a walk. Right. It's it's a luxury we have here that that, that lose. You're saying it, it, it wasn't the same for you when you grew yeah. up in the, in the major metropolitan spaces like Chicago. Yeah, we we would drive to Mexico um, to visit my grandparents. That was a big deal. And I mean, to some degree, it was a vacation, but not really. You drive and then you're in, in your grandma's house the whole time or, <laughs> uh, you know, your cousin's house. Um, but it was it was valuable to spend time with my grandparents. Um, and to your point earlier, Anthony, of learning from elders, you know, my siblings would would play with my cousins and, and be kids. And I sat right next to my grandfather as he would tell stories with my parents uh, because I valued uh, my elders that much that I just wanted to be able to hear the the wisdom and learn from that rather than playing with the kids. And, uh, you know, my parents would say, go be a kid. And I, and my grandfather would defend me. It's like, no, she's, she's here because she wants to be. And so let her learn and let her listen to our history and our family, um, background. One thing that, um, my dad and the family established with my mom's side of the family. One of my mom's brothers and sister moved to California through the relocation program back in the, in the early 60s. And they would come back every summer and come up to the reservation. But prior to that, they would come through the Twin Cities. So whenever they would come back, and at that time, you know, we also were poor and we lived in North Minneapolis and we didn't have a yard, but we would go to Theodore Worth Park mm -hmm. in North Minneapolis and we would have a barbecue. And so all the families from my mom's side and then, you know, our family and our cousins, we would all go swimming and and the folks would stay and they would be grilling. And, and so I have a cousin who um, was part of that. 
and he now lives on the Mille Lacs Indian Reservation. He loves to grill. And about three weeks ago, he posted a picture of these hamburgers that he was making on his grill, and he called the he called them Uncle Ross hamburgers. And Uncle Ross would have been my dad. And he called them Uncle Ross hamburgers because my dad used to make hamburgers and then cut up um, green peppers, onions, and some other some other things and and mash them in the hamburger. And then he would spice it all up with all these different spices and then patty those all out and then throw them on the grill. Um, he posted a picture of the hamburgers he had put together, but it was the fact that he referred to them as Uncle Ross hamburgers brought that memory rushing back mm -hmm. of how and we would get together. Yes, the smell, the taste, you know, the families coming together. We hadn't seen them for a whole year. And he's carrying that tradition on now with his family up on the reservation. And so, you know, that one really hit home when he posted that. So, you know, I, I, it's those gatherings of the family um, that that I think, you know, and, and it usually always involves food. And we are looking forward to that because we haven't been able to do that for a whole year. I think part of like everything that we're talking about as well is just this, this like you were saying, keeping tradition, holding tradition. And I think with the pandemic and it's separating us from our family, I, I see like I feel like a lot more Hmong people are like embracing their Hmongness and trying to keep those traditions alive. Things that maybe, you know, last summer we didn't want to have to do to go to, you know, some big event here or there. Um, but now we're like, you know, we value those things. I think I'm seeing that a lot, too. I think I want to I want to co-sign that uh, because the intentionality with which the conversations in community for me have been about what our traditions are and and and, and the specificity for which those come through, um, peeling back these layers. We've had time to do some reflection on that this summer. I'm I know for a fact that there are going to be very serious um, storytelling about not just our family history space and passing on the those traits. Um, but also kind of reminiscing about with intentionality about what we get to do this summer that we haven't been able to do. You know, as we were talking about going out, you know, one of the things that, you know, growing up as poor, it, you know, I didn't get on a plane for the first time until somebody paid my way for a high school trip. Right. Like like we drove everywhere. And so and we drove out and it was driving out that lot. Let me not only see, you know, nature and other things. And I'm a I'm, I'm, I'm a country boy like like my people, my people is we country. And so um, from Mississippi, West Virginia to Bama's, we we. We, we, we country. So we need to get out. You need, you know, there wasn't going to be no question that we were going to get out near lake and trees and do all that stuff. But it was also the teaching space for what I need to know, because when we would take these trips out, outstate Minnesota or out into areas away from inner city spaces, wherever we were around the country, I had a rude awakening about how I needed to be and need be to be aware of in terms of being in white spaces. So there's that piece of that that also came with the camping and the fishing and all of that. I had to learn a lot um, about what that is. I had, I observed a lot. I'll never forget being outstate Minnesota um, and encountering children of other folks where 
it was nice on the surface, definitely, but then these kids would break the mold, <laughs> would, would break away, and I would hear them not say it quiet enough, and so they said it loud enough for us to hear um, what they really thought, and we would, knew immediately what they were learning at home, even though there was a cordiality in the, in the mm-hmm. surface exchange at the store. But then also, um, the intentionality about what we eat, what we listen to, and also, I got to think about immediately, um, volume level. When we get together and we outside, we loud. Mm-hmm. The music's mm-hmm. loud. We, we you I know, an right. outdoor space is supposed <laughs> to be what that is. And we, we absolutely encountered a policing of our own volume is absolutely as part and parcel of the memories as the food and the laughter and the dancing and all the stuff that goes along with that. So, so I think there's going to be this summer some intentionality about expressing ourselves in ways that have been uh, policed in the past that there's a new defiance of. And I'm looking forward to that. And I know that there, you know, there's been some attention drawn to just how people of color often feel unsafe when they're doing outdoor activities. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's very real. Um, You know, I think our kids are are learning now how real that is. I mean, we, we went to an Airbnb and the kids were scared, you know, there were a lot of Trump signs and that, that scared them from what they have heard Trump say and Trump do. And so, you know, now when we go places and I've said this on the show before, but, uh, you know, my husband's the one that goes inside to get things, <laughs> the store, to pump gas. If we, you know, we like to stop at stands on the side of the road and buy t- fresh tomatoes or corn. And he has to do, do the same thing. He Hilly. has to do all that. Mara goes in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think you've heard me tell the story about, you know, um, fishing at a friend's lake. He had a house. He had a pontoon. Like he, he had done the Minnesota um, American dream thing and we were living vicariously through him and his blessing and it was awesome but when we when the when the pontoon died and we had and we floated up to a dock across the lake without talking to each other it was our white friend who got out and talked to the person who who was out mowing their lawn riding the tractor or whatever it was he was he was riding a vehicle of some kind I can't remember what it was and it was funny that we got out and all of our attention focused on the comfortability of that person rather than our need, our needs in that space. And I'll never forget how easy it is, despite feeling like you're doing the things that cause you freedom, um, that you're never far away from having to understand the patterns and the conditioning for white comfortability, which is something that has is is never far away from thought. But you know, uh, to to flip it more into you know to think about the cultural question that you asked, Lee. Our family is music. Everybody's musician, a vocalist, something like that, and it's and it's it's kind of a, a, an embarrassment of riches to the point where my father-in-law said, "I want to have a freedom party this summer, a Juneteenth as freedom party," and, and he put a cue out to all the family musicians that said, "You will bring your instrument, and we're gonna celebrate. It's gonna be a family concert, and the singers gonna sing, and the musicians gonna play, and we're gonna play all the music. Um, is and, and somebody better play um, uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire." Um, uh, keep your head to the sky. Somebody better play that um, this summer. And I have a feeling that we are going to, and I can picture it, I can almost taste it, that aside from the food, aside from the gathering, aside from looking at each other's faces and the melanin-blessed skin that is about to be on full display at this gathering, 
I cannot wait to see the entire family just enthralled and inside of a song where folks are vibing. We're making new music on the spot. We make beautiful music. That's my family cultural space. And I can't wait to do that as loud and obnoxious as possible because <laughs> the music going to sound good. And I can't wait till somebody, you know, somebody who, depending on whose house we gather at, if we gather at my father-in-law's house, ain't going to be no thing because we in St. Paul and folks know the deal. But if we gather at my grandma's house, we're going to have that beautiful moment. And then we're going to make sure that the vanguard, the folks who like to tell people about themselves are ready to talk to all the noise complaints that, you know, when somebody else is popping off fireworks till 3 a.m. and doing all those things, get no complaint. But let us play a little bit of Earth, Wind & Fire too loud for sensibility's <laughs> sake. And, and all of a sudden, them calls come in. I am actually looking forward to all of it, not just some of it, all of it. This well, Anthony, we cannot end this segment without putting out just what, what song comes to mind for any of us as we head into summer, right? We've talked about uh, just music and song with respect to the choirs, and now you're talking about music, and music can be so healing. So I'm gonna put mine out there, and it is going back, way back. McFadden and Whitehead, and the song is Ain't No Stopping Us Now. <laughs> We're on the move. <laughs> Ain't No Stopping Us Now. We're on the move. Back to 1979. And the reason that song comes to mind, A, clearly it's, it's, it's you know, something that, that I enjoyed in the summer. But even higher than that, bigger picture is the message, right? That as we're coming through this pandemic, because we're not done by any stretch of the imagination, the variants are happening. We're still waiting for folks to continue to get vaccinated. We still have to engage in safety protocols, but the message and the power of ain't no stopping us now, I think is is just for me, something that I can listen full on repeated loop and I, I'll, I will not get tired of that. All right. Well, if we're going to do that, I'm sorry, I can't. I can't distill to one because that's not how we do. We, we it's a combination. So here are my packet of wait, summer wait, wait. I didn't know songs. I had that option, but go ahead. Well, you, you, hey, hey, that's see. I told you I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be a habitual line stepper this summer, so you're gonna have to deal with it. Um, Come through, go ahead. Come through. <laughs> but um, so one that always gets me in the right space is Summer Madness, cooling the game. Oh yeah. If you want it for my old school jam, yeah, that's gonna be. And I'm I know I'm saying that to some with elders on the line, but I mean that in, mo in the most respectful way possible but for me that's an old school jam Tupac's Keep Your Head Up that remixes um, yeah. Ooh Child yeah. um, is one that's always on the playlist and gets things popping and then, and then I'm sorry lastly um, I'm a 90s kid so so um, this is how we do it if, if once that comes on <laughs> The whole yard is hopping and we on some 90s stuff with that one. So. Oh, <laughs> Here's mine. <laughs> it's talking about old school. I love that. I love it. That's old school. That was hot fun in the summertime. 
Sly and the Family Stone. Okay, so this is going to, I couldn't think of one. Um, but as we were talking about things that, like meditating, I find it um, last summer, well, a couple of years ago, a friend gave us their hammock when they were moving out of state. And so in the mornings when the weather is nice, I lay on the hammock in my backyard on the east side of St. Paul and I put headphones on and I meditate. One of the other things that I do a lot during the summer is and just, this might sound weird, but I sing really, really loud and really, really out of tune. <laughs> and it's just like I don't know what it is about it but like my body is just so real and I'm relaxed and I'm having fun and I'm happy and it helps me to it's a, it's a form of meditation right and so any journey song just any journey song put that on loud and I don't know any words so that, that's one of those things they put on at ball games and stuff where they have like the words that come across or people yep. do it at karaoke all the time and that's the only way I know but that song really loud and out of tune and it just releases everything in your body please right, try now, it I'm, I'm gonna be on a hunt I'm gonna be I'm gonna be creeping on the east side then <laughs> to find out <laughs> Because I, I want to catch you singing Don't Stop Believing at the top of your lungs. Because yeah. that is now going to be a summer goal of mine to catch you. Um, I, I, I have to, if you were to ask that question differently, Luz, because there's this year there's some songs that are going to be reminiscent. And I know we're wrapping up, but the, the, there's a song that's going to be reminiscent that are classic summer for us, I know. But there's also some songs that are gonna, that have new meaning. And so all of Nina Simone and the song by Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, um, uh, Wake Up Everybody. Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. Wake up all the teachers, time to teach a new way. Maybe Those two songs now for me have very new meaning. So I think this summer I'm also going to be going back into my song Rolodex to re-listen to some of those things that have a new meaning given all the unrest and all the things we've gone through. So I got to add those two. Okay, so closing this off, I have to also say anything by Victor Manuel. He's a salsa artist, um, mm -hmm. salsa music artist. So I think what we should do is make sure that we post all of these songs on our Facebook page so that our our listeners can connect with them and invite them to post their favorite songs as well. You know that Mark Anthony gonna be playing at my house. Oh yeah, you know. <laughs> I, okay, I'm a rule follower, so I I, I did right, want to put quiet. Mark I'll be Anthony quiet. in there too. But absolutely, <laughs> Mark Anthony, Willie Colon, yeah. you know, La India. I mean, these are all salsa music artists that are phenomenal, and we'll share them all. And that's Celia. Oh, híjole. Kimbara, Kimbara. <laughs> so check out our Facebook page then. Um, let us know what some of your favorite songs are. Maybe we'll put together a Spotify playlist for everybody. So hit us up on social. Oh, I feel like I'm one of those TikTok stars. Oh, my God. I feel like a million years old for having said that. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Embrace it. Just embrace it. This is Counter Stories. I'm Holly Lee, owner of the Other Media Group and producer of this podcast but before i do the editing i'm gonna go hang out outside for a while <laughs> i'm luz maria frias deputy attorney general with the state of minnesota and again any opinion and comments i have and make during these podcasts are strictly my own should not be attributed to my employer i'm anthony galloway senior partner at dangerous group and executive director of arts us 
Don Eubanks, Associate of Denver's Group and Cultural Consultant. Thanks for joining us. This program is a co-production of the Counter Stories Crew, The Other Media Group, and Ampers, Diverse Radio for Minnesota's Communities, with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.